Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the Coalition Coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I have lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Crystal Collier. She's a PhD, um, licensed professional counselor, uh, supervisor, therapist, researcher, and author of Neuro Whereabouts Guide and creator of Brainabouts. So much wonderful things happening on this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Collier. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here to talk with us, to educate, and I'm so excited to actually meet you. Oh, that's awesome. Aubrey, thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you today. Yes, of course. Um, so I, uh, just so my listeners know, I am, I, I like have like this professional crush on Dr. Collier um, because you guys wanted to know that. Um, so I am like fangirling here. I am so excited. She has such wonderful information in her book. She's so knowledgeable and I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and learn as much as you possibly can from her. Um, and we'll have some information to learn about our book, her book, her website, and all the wonderful things she does in the show notes. So she will be talking with us today about applying prevention science daily at home and school. And so let's just go ahead and get started. What has been your most enjoyable job so far and how old were you and if it is your current job you do not have to tell us your age (laughs) oh you're so sweet for I I, it's okay I am 51 years old but I tell you my probably I've loved my career so much but one of the most enjoyable jobs that really helped me know that this is what I wanted to do for a living was my first job as a psych tech it was at a mental hospital in Omaha Nebraska which is where I kind of grew up in recovery. And I always worked on the adolescent unit and uh, for a break, they would move us over to the adult unit. And I would always say, no, don't make me go. I want to work with the kids. Oh. And that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, what is your role? What do you um but what do you do? I mean, we talked about, you know, therapist, researcher, author. Um, so what do you do? What is your role? And um, why are you passionate about this? Well, so I, I, I love a variety of things. I'm a Gemini, so I like to do all <laughs> kinds of stuff. But uh, I am a therapist, really first and foremost. And um, I, I work with adults and kids and families and couples um, the, some have addiction, uh, some don't, um, I do, uh, something called family of origin mapping for people in recovery or people who want to understand why, uh, there are certain obstacles in their thinking, feeling, and acting, you know, what's not serving them anymore. And I love that work. And I, it's always important for me to continue working with adolescents and young adults, just so I can kind of keep my finger on what's happening in the world as well and stay current which is, it's kind of like the CEU for working with teens, right? You have to stay current with what's going on and all the lingo and all the new trends and fads, good and bad. Uh, But then 
I am a researcher. So I research high-risk behavior for a living. And that really is, is what was uh, the impetus for the book. So the Neuro Whereabouts Guide, which uh, was such a cool project. I want to uh, shout out to the Hope and Healing Center at St. Martin's here in Houston because they funded um, a, a research fellowship for me for almost three years to support me while I wrote the book, which was wow. a, a beautiful gift. And so I researched 18 different high-risk behavior and how they affect the brain. So in the book, you get to see graphs of each one of those and when they peak so that you as a parent or a clinician can know when to have that conversation or coach your parents if you work as a clinician to have that conversation. And then of course, parents are like, okay, well, what do I say during that conversation? And so the book is filled with scripts and tools and information. And as you can see, it's in infographic style. So really fun uh, graphics. Um, I also had a wonderful translator uh, translated into Spanish. And wow, then awesome. uh, a really fun thing was I, I went into the studio and read it out loud, which was hard to read. Yeah. So I had to pause and go, okay, how do I read this? Right. Uh, but please know it is a huge book, right? I yes. mean, it's 400 pages, but it's designed to be a guide it's kind of like if you, you, you might know this, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, yes, but this yeah. is what to expect when you're expecting tweens and teens. Yes. And so it really helps you raise your child, you know, from the all developmental ages, because there's an elementary, middle and high school chapter. So. Yes. Well, and I think one of the coolest parts in it, um, and I can't remember exactly where it is, um, but there's a part where it talks about, you know, having the, having a conversation, you, you, you even write down like the date, like you write down, this is when I talk to my child about it, just so you, it's almost kind of like, rather than just saying like, okay, make sure you do it, you're able to actually go back and, and put in, okay, this is when I, so you know, for sure, you've had the conversation with your child. And I think that's wonderful. Like, I, something I never even thought of, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a I mean, it really is a guide. There's like, you were saying, like, I'm just mesmerized by this book. I just, I mean, cause I'm not a huge reader. There's lots of wonderful pictures. There's lots of great colors. I mean, this, this book is amazing. Um, I haven't been able to finish it yet, but. Oh, please don't finish it all the way through. It really is like, cause right. there's an elementary, middle and high school chapter. So you do not have to read ahead and there's tons right. of skip outs, right? So if you get, like, if you really want to talk about uh, suicide at the very bottom, it'll say, oh, go to the suicide talk checklist in the tools section. It'll tell you so that you don't really have to read it all the way through. It really is a guide to help right. you as you're raising your kiddos. Right. And I, you know, the, I just wanted to kind of speak on this a little bit. Um, the fact that you spoke on suicide, I think um, everybody, any listeners, um, I think we can all agree that mental health with COVID has um, caused some great um, mental health issues. Um, there's been, uh, the data is coming out and showing that at least in, in our area um, of, you know, region eight in Texas, um, suicide rates have gone up. And I, 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 won't, I would imagine, you know, it's all over the world, honestly, because COVID has affected everybody. Yes. So um, I think this would be a great thing to share with any family members, any friends. I know whenever I learned about this book for the first time, I have a couple friends who have kids who are like toddler age. And I was like, you need to get this book. This is going to be great. Start reading it, you know, because they're starting to get to that elementary age. 
I was like, she talks about this and this and this, you know, substance use, mental health. Um, I think we've talked to the sexting, porn, you know, all that stuff. I mean, just all those tough topics that parents yep. are like, I need to talk to my kids about this, but I don't know how, I don't know what to say. I don't know. You know, they have to educate themselves about it too. So that's just wonderful. Totally. So. Okay. Um, so I guess you talked about it a little bit, um, why you're passionate about this. You want to talk about it a little bit more? Well, I, I think what I didn't mention yet is that, you know, I'm a kiddo who engaged in a lot of high-risk behavior. What, you know, I had my first drink at 12 and I had my first um, uh, uh, taste of cocaine at about 14, started intravenously using it at 16 and then had an overdose at 18. And so I was just lucky by the grace of God uh, and the help of my mother who helped me get into rehab. And uh, so my sobriety date is February 3rd, 89. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, But you know, when I, when I got sober, I was so grateful to be alive and I was so scared to use again because I just thought I, you know, what's left after ODing, there's not much of a bottom besides death, but I had this shroud of shame. I felt like I walked around with a a wet blanket over my head all the time, just because I was so confused. I didn't understand why I did these things. I knew I was a great kid. I made all A's in school. I, I just, what went wrong? So that was really what fueled my passion and desire for learning about addiction in the brain. And it was this amazing time to go to school in the nineties, because all those functional MRI studies were coming out. And, you know, so you could see the brain growing and developing. And then people were taking pictures of people who had ingested substances. So you could see the frontal lobe shutting off. And then as I kept studying over the decades, you know, I saw this amazing uh, food addiction a study where it looked exactly the same. You know, I was looking at the brain and I was like, God, that looks like the brain from the addiction studies with substances. And then you could see that anxiety, depression, uh, right? All kinds of uh, trauma and, and not to mention all the substances, but they do the same thing. They shut off the part of the brain that connects to other people that makes good decisions that can have healthy judgment and control impulses. Mm-hmm. And, and so when it does, you know, it helped really explain to me that I, I wasn't a bad kid, you know? <laughs> no. and, yeah. and then later on, when I started reading about the genetics and Dr. Mm-hmm. Blom's uh, reward deficiency syndrome, got mm-hmm. my genetics read. And I realized I had a huge high risk for addiction, mm-hmm. just coming out of the womb. And how that translated into my daily life and how I felt about myself, kind of another layer of lifting that blanket off and understanding, oh, it's not that I as a human being and entity is defective. Mm-hmm. My genetics have, you know, are morphed and my environment was tough growing up in with too much freedom and mm-hmm. a lot of high risk behaviors to choose from and, and not a lot of direction. So like the perfect storm. Um, and so that's maybe a long story short about, (laughs) you know, where kind of that passion comes from. And, you know, whenever I'm, uh, you know, writing something new or thinking about a piece that I'm doing for the program, I'm always thinking about that kid who, who felt like me. 
sitting mm-hmm. in class, feeling disconnected, so full of anxiety. I uh, can't wait for somebody to pay attention to them and, and just have a, a, a friend. Uh, and, and then, you know, there were so many temptations that I got pulled into. I want to mm-hmm. empower that kid mm-hmm. to learn about this, to feel good and comfortable in their own skin and, and, you know, really empower their parent with what they can do on a daily basis to help support that kid in making good choices. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. Oh, <laughs> Gives me chills. <laughs> so, um, and you kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but why, uh, sorry, not why, when did you get involved in this and why is it important for everybody to know this information? Anybody that's a parent, anybody that works with children? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, you know, I got involved with, um, Um, of course, being a therapist for a long time in different treatment centers. And I started to put together presentations and I worked for a wonderful council on alcohol and drugs in Houston Mm -hmm. for 10 years, uh, running their adolescent programming. And that's really when I started creating prevention programming for a variety Mm -hmm. of different schools. And I created one and was able to study it throughout a four-year cohort. And that's what Mm -hmm. I actually did my dissertation on. Uh, was a prevention program that's still being done right here in Houston at a local school. And so when I published the book, I teamed up with a charity, the John Fontaine Jr. Charity here in Houston. Um, Jack Fontaine is a wonderful businessman here who unfortunately lost his son in a drunk driving accident when his son was a teenager. And so he started this amazing foundation and uh, they, we kind of kept talking and he said, what would you want to do? And I said, I would want to put all the research in my book and Mm -hmm. with the knowledge that I know about how schools struggle to do consistent prevention programming into an online plug and play prevention program that can solve the problems of, of, of being able to create social new social norms on campus. Mm-hmm. And so that's the program that's called brain abouts. And, uh, we are currently in a live, we went live August 1st of 2021, and we are piloting it in 10 schools in five different States, which is really exciting to be kind of a national pilot. Yeah. And so uh, basically when you log into brain abouts, if your school uses Brainabouts, uh, they, they get um, a website that has a staff login, a parent login, and a, a student login, same username and password, really easy. Mm-hmm. And so um, on the staff page, it's got everything the staff needs to know about plugging in prevention throughout the year. I set up themes. I do all the morning announcements for all the prevention dates. We have a video studio here at our office. And so we've created and can create tons of video programming so that you can watch a video in homeroom every week. And I've got the question discussion handout activities. We're going to be continually adding to it. And then as a parent, you can log in and see which video your kid watched that day in class Mm -hmm. and use the discussion handout at home. And then you can also learn everything prevention science says you can do as a parent to prevent that high-risk behavior. And then my biggest challenge is the student page, right? Because I, I want it to be really hip, slick, and cool. The <laughs> students will, you know, they'll want to use it. Right. But on that page, it's kind of like, okay, how can you be an influencer for things that matter? 
How can you give voice to the majority that is silent, who doesn't use alcohol and drugs? Because it really is a minority of students who continue to use. A lot of students uh, experiment one, two, three times, but it's the majority that does not go on after that, but they're so silent. And, uh, you know, then the noisy minority that, um, that norms, uh, that creates these social norms that says everybody does it and this is the cool way to go um, is, is unfortunately what we hear more of. So my hope is that uh, we will have a fleet of high school interns. There's an application on Brainabouts for students who want to join us and create a new social norm movement that's giving voice to that. And, you know, how can you get high naturally? What can you do mm -hmm. during meditations, during social uh, events and gatherings that really not only protect your brain, but allow you to plug into life in a way mm -hmm. that is devoid of risky behavior, right? So, so that's brain abouts. And I, I know I gave you some information about how to get in touch with us about that yes. because the, one of the neatest things is that because we're working with a, a, a really amazing foundation and charity and a great board is that they're willing to price the program so inexpensively. So any mm -hmm. school in the United States can have it. And, and included in it, if you get a year subscription to it, you get free training from me and support throughout that year. Wow. And I can also go and, and, and speak to your students or parents or, you know, how, whatever on how mm -hmm. to, how to protect the brain. So it's a really amazing program. That is, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's such a blessing. I do have a couple of questions about it. So the, the videos that the students watch about how long is each video? Well, so right now we've got about 25 videos that are between nine and 13 minutes long. Okay, so not long. They're not long at all, yeah. uh, but we're going to be continually putting out more, more videos. And right now we're, we have content that is appropriate for middle and high school, but I'm working with an amazing uh, elementary school consultation team that's helping us create a video series for elementary school kids regarding, you know, which topics are relevant to start talking about that are developmentally appropriate there. Right. So we want to be able to have schools use Brainabouts in elementary, middle, and high school, and it will follow mm -hmm. them as they go, but in a more developmentally appropriate way. That's, that's amazing. Um, and then, so how long is the program altogether, or is it just something that, you know, they get a video each day or, or is it like a 10 well, week or sure, sure. We, we will have enough content for daily programming, but <laughs> you know, schools do have to do a lot of other things right. too. So, right. So we wanted what, you know, as I was working with people in schools, mm -hmm. I found that uh, sometimes you may not even have a counselor in a school. You know, you have a dean who's doing prevention programming or, mm -hmm. or, you know, an administrator who's bringing something in and, and there's not a lot of time. And so we wanted to design something that could fit into your advisory classes. Okay. We wanted to give announcements that, you know, because you make announcements every day, you can add in a brain about announcement, parent programming, um, 24 seven access to this, you know, so everybody in the school community is connected to it and can watch the same videos and get and do the same activities throughout the year. So we really recommend that once a week, you add it into your homeroom and advisory class, but we also have 
a shop that has posters. So you'll, you know, you go do the video handout, walking down the hall, you see the posters and then you get home and your mom has also watched the video and a couple questions about it. And if that happens, you know, every other week for a year, every year that allows parents and faculty and staff to openly talk about these things in different ways. Um, what I'm hoping is to see a, a really amazing new social norming effect. Right. And it's, it's giving the students information. It's giving the parents information. It's also teaching the parents what to say, how to say it, you know, and allowing, having that opportunity to talk about it. Cause you, you know, the, like you were saying, like the parents know that the students are watching this video, they know about it. So now they can ask the questions. I think that's a, that's a, it's a great um, door opener for yeah. that conversation. Yes. That's wonderful. Um, one, one more question about this. Um, uh, so how long, and I think you kind of answered this. So how long until like, you know, other schools, like let's say, you know, one of the schools in my communities would like to um, be able to join um, however, you know, however much it is, when would they be able to? Well, sure. We, we are uh, taking on pilot schools. If any other school is interested in pilots, we have room for a couple more. Um, uh, so this, this year, I know that this podcast will be available in January of 2022, which is a great time to plan for school year, 2022, 23. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we will have, um, a website, a second version of the website ready with mm-hmm. a highly interactive calendar and a community notification system. So we're, we're already upgrading our, our, our. Uh, capabilities and that will be live and ready to go August 1st of 2022. So, but we highly recommend that schools contact us as soon as possible. If I can start training the staff to use the website, which just takes a few hours really, but there's a lot of information in it. So Mm -hmm. starting to figure out how do I apply it? Because you can apply it to all students, but there's also curricula that you can apply for groups. There are brain abouts classes that you can give to kids when they get in trouble at school. So they don't get suspended or expelled. And you know, there's groups that you can do with family within the program. So there's a lot of ways to use it. So if I can, if we can get, you know, people on board and train over the summer before they come back and they're up Mm -hmm. and ready to go, that'd be great. Absolutely. That's good to know. Um, and, and just a side note, we do have listeners, um, well, we have a few listeners outside of the state, but we do have some listeners um, in Houston, in Dallas, in the Valley area. Um, and then I have, I have like some in Kansas and, and just like o- Oklahoma, just different states. So that's, this is great for anybody who is listening. And this is um, an opportunity for anybody uh, to, to utilize this. That's wonderful. Yes. Um, my next question I, I, this is good. This is a good question because I learn a lot, but at the same time, it's about COVID and nobody wants to talk about COVID, but what, what, how has COVID impacted your work? And it can be both positive and negative because there's been positive and negative. Sure. Sure. So what a social experiment to watch this, right? The last pandemic was a hundred years ago. We don't have that memory. 
but it's making me think about history. You know, it's making me feel very grateful that, you know, we are not in, uh, you know, the, the 1500s going through this, <laughs> <Yes>. you know, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that we are not in medieval times and we actually have a healthcare system that is just frankly badass. And one of my best friends is a nurse. My husband is a paramedic. And Mm -hmm. so directly it's affected us in many ways. Positively, it shut me down when uh, I was working on the tail end of my groups or my book. So I was able to, to do the book uh, uh, meet my book deadline. It was really (laughs) cool to have a little bit more time. Although my, my, uh, cats were really angry that I was hanging around the house so much. Disturbing <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Disturbing their sleep, uh, making them anxious. Um, but I tell you with my clients, mm-hmm. adult and, and, uh, teen and child mm-hmm. regressions back to, you know, old, old behaviors, um, mm-hmm. fear, confusion, social isolation, you know, lack of talking, right? I mean, our brain development is based upon the use it or lose it principle. Mm-hmm. You don't use those neurons. They don't make networked connections. And yeah. so, you know, our kids are having to like already they're so technologically oriented, they're talking less and interacting less, mm-hmm. you know, our kids get one hour less of interaction than the generation that came before face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So that, so, you know, I think the group that I felt most empathic for was middle schoolers because yeah. right. I mean, middle school is a time in, in our development where friendships are more important than any other time, mm-hmm. you know, as you grow, you kind of, your friend pool kind of whittles down to your close ones. And then you got your acquaintances and your, and your colleagues, right. Because you got your family and there's that. But for middle schoolers, oh my God, it's so critical to be interacting and having conflicts and drama because that's (laughs) that's how we learn how to solve conflicts, right? So it just, uh, I I just watching the world struggle, but kind of a, a positive note on it. I've also watched people really learn how to be more resilient and bounce back and take things less personally and put priority on family and connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh, they're getting it a little bit more, you know, it's yeah. kind of like what happened to us after nine 11 is yeah. it, it was not, wasn't just the United States, but the whole world congealed around us. There were, you know, there were countries praying for us. And mm-hmm. so it, it feels like, you know, we're all going through this together and, trying to be there for each other. And, you know, if I, if I don't like wearing a mask, but if I can wear a mask to make you feel comfortable and loved and cared for and protected, dude, I'm going to do it. You know? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. You know, it's so funny because majority of the time I work from home and um, my dogs like to hang out in my little office area. And it's funny because I mean, I, I, I'm an extrovert. So for me being at home and not around people, it drives me nuts. But I, I talk to my dogs and no, they don't know what I'm saying. They're sleeping. They don't know what I'm doing, but it, it helps me just like, not kind of like have like a mental breakdown or something. Cause I'm talking, I, they don't know what I'm saying. They don't talk back and that's fine, but it helps me, you know, just stay sane, I guess. It's, Absolutely. It's <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you can't get unconditional positive regard from your dogs, right. right. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so there, 
I, I understand that it's really, really therapeutic. My husband has had to work more than ever. And so my, yeah. my cats have been, you know, a saving grace and a joy for me. And it's brought us like closer together. It's brought my, some of my friendships closer together too, mm-hmm. you know, um, just helping each other struggle mm-hmm. through what's going on. And, you know, the people who have suffered financially, we've been able to help and, Uh, just, you know, opportunities for connection abound throughout this. So that, that makes me really happy. I think, um, one thing that I've noticed, um, in in society as a whole, is I think kind of talking, like you were sharing how it's affected everybody. I feel like some, you know, there are times where people have kind of learned to be more empathetic towards others to understand, like, COVID has been difficult for everybody. It has, it has touched everybody. It has been a struggle for everybody. And I think in a, in a way, um, some people have become more empathetic and more patient with others and just like, like, Hey, I get it. You know, you COVID's happened. Life's been tough. I'm going to be patient and, and show you grace and, you know, understand that you didn't mean to be rude or whatever the case may be. You're just showing, you know, showing grace, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, not all the time, but you know, I've seen it a lot more, more, more often. Exactly. Yes. yes. I have too. I can validate that. Definitely. <laughs> so um, the next question is um, any, I guess, any tips and tricks, any, any good information that, you know, parents listening, any adults that are with teens, tweens, children, what do we need to know, um, which I, I imagine this could take forever, right? <laughs> really? But No, I've got, I mean, there's a lot of tips and tricks in this book. It's kind of yes. all about that. But I think that, it, so I, I've been a therapist now for about 25 years. And what I've seen here, I, I'm going to read to you out of my book, yes. the three biggest mistakes that parents make. So then what you can do instead, the first one is failing to discuss risky behavior. And I'm an example of that. You know, my mom never said, don't do drugs, don't drink. And she also, you know, she saw me being this really sweet, smart, great kid. So I think part of her just didn't know you, she was supposed to do it that young. And so really knowing your neuro whereabouts, your child's development as well as what high risky behavior are out there and when most kids are starting to engage in it is important. Then you can do the opposite of this and discuss it. And I give all kinds of ways to do that in the book. I've got a calendar of conversation starters. Today is International Recovery Day. It's a great way to say, hey, at breakfast, did you know that this what today is? What is that about? Do you know any teenagers in recovery? You know, Uncle Bob, he's in AA, you know, that kind of thing where right. you and then next month it's international, um, uh, 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 you know, um, diet awareness day. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that and body image, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll give you lots of ways to segue that in number two, failing to set expectations and rules about risky behavior. Mm-hmm. So there is a myth that if you teach your child how to drink or let them drink at home, that they will be safer. Such a myth. There is no research yes. that says that that actually works, but there are decades of research that says it has the opposite effect. The younger you start using any substance or engaging in any risk of behavior, the greater your chances of growing up and struggling with an addiction. And so you want to make sure that you set those expectations in the way that I have families do it is create their own family code. 
And you can do that at any age. And I've got an activity in the back of the book in the tools section that can help you learn how to do that. It's, <laughs> it's a kind of more fun when your kids are young, but even when you're, I had a, I had a mom say, is it too old when my kid's in college? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we did it in a family session. You know, what are your family's values and what are the rules? And, mm-hmm. you know, having a drug-free brain should be rule number one, protect your brain. <laughs> and then number three, failing to go big the first time. So here's another thing that I've seen is, you know, a kid will use, a parent will catch or, you know, find marijuana in the backpack, or they'll get in trouble at a school basketball game for bringing in alcohol in a water bottle or, or, or whatever you find. And a parent says, well, you know, I did that in high school. Just don't do it again. Slap on a hand. <laughs> yeah. So a, to a teenager, they take that information and go, oh, dad doesn't really care. Or they weigh it out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mom will be mad at me, but so what? You know, I'd rather go do this. If you go big the first time, mm-hmm. rounding, loss of privileges, loss of phone, it, life is mid- miserable for two weeks. You are much more likely to see the, the, that re- behavior not return or at least not return for a long period of time because kids are, you know, their job is to push limits. And so they may push again. So if you go big the first time and then say, look, if you do it again, this misery is going to double because you got to like your job kiddo is to go to school and be a good citizen, right? Follow directions. If you don't, if you do all those things, you get to earn all of these privileges that I'll work hard to give you. (laughs) But if you don't, if you use substances, then you lose those for a while, you know, and I've seen a lot of kids weigh it, you know, like two weeks party, two weeks alcohol, you know, oh, no, I'm going to try this, you know, yeah. and that's normal for kids brains to do that. But that means you may have a kid who needs a month or two of grounding, right? right? You know, be that parent that when your child pushes the limit that you don't, um, uh, uh, become permissive that, you, you know, that you say, look, I love you and y- you need to keep your brain clean so that it can grow normally like it's supposed to. Sure. And because I, the brain isn't fully developed until 25 or around the heard- age of 25. Some yeah. studies say 26, 27, right. Right. I mean, we still grow dendrites, which right. are the, the kind of the, the hardware of learning in our brain, those connectors that connect cells, but plasticity peaks at 25. So how flexible, how quickly we learn really peaks. And so we want to make sure that our kids peak here because drugs, alcohol, high-risk behavior cause that part of the brain to arrest mm-hmm. and they might peak here. And then right. as they go through life, they don't have the executive functioning skills that other kids have because of the high risk behavior they've engaged in. All right. Um, lastly, okay. how can somebody listening to the podcast connect with you? Oh gosh. Great. Okay. So my, uh, uh professional website is, mm-hmm. uh, drcrystalcollier.com. 
And uh, I also have a book website, the neuro whereabout, actually it's neurowhereaboutsguide.com. And then if you're interested in the prevention program, uh, that is uh, brainabouts.org slash about, and that will help you learn all about uh, how to get in touch with us. So you can have that program at your school. And I will have that in the show notes for anybody. Um, because I'm, I'm more of a visual person, so I would need to see it. <laughs> I can't catch it all. Me too. So um, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Collier, for meeting with me and being on the podcast. Um, I, it's, it's such a pleasure to be able to learn from you. And um, like I said, everybody who is listening, go buy the book. You will not regret it. It's amazing. It is a guide. It's not just read it and go and do it. It's, it's a study guide. It's how... It takes you through this, like Dr. Collier was saying, the stages of your child's life. And that's, I think that's wonderful. So thank you so much for being with you me. You got today. it. Well, let me just say one last thing too, yes. because uh, Aubrey, the work that you do there mm-hmm. at the council and, and everything that you are embarking on as a mom, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I honor and appreciate and totally have a professional crush on you too. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, everybody, we're going to do things a little bit differently from here on out. Before we close out this episode, I wanted to give the opportunity to the listeners to email questions you might have from this episode. Um, Also, if you have another topic you would like to learn about from the person we interviewed this month, or if you have a suggestion for a future episode, please reach out through email. You can email me at coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741 or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.